Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. My friend, I am so excited to be here with you today. Yay, us. We get to be together for a bit of time, and we're going to talk about our brain and why your brain focuses on the worst thing that can happen. Before we do, I'm going to talk about the small ways and big ways you can support the show. Often I'm asked about, you know, and I've been offered advertising for my show and I'm asked why I don't, don't do advertising. And one of the reasons every time I go back to it, and yes, there could be an income for the show, which then it can help offset production costs of the show. But I think about it and I hate ads. I really, really do. So for right now, it's a values disalignment for me to have ads on the show. And yes, it would be helpful and should be another income generating component for the show, but I'm not interested. For me, it's just not worth it to do that. And I don't want to do that to you. I care about a relationship and I don't like it. The other reason is when I listen to other podcasts that have advertisements, I notice my brain like all of a sudden goes, oh, tune out. It's an advertisement. (laughs) And then they keep talking and I'm like, oh crap, I missed that part. And I have to like hit the button and replay back. And so there's all this like wasted brain juice. I don't want to do that to you. So there's no ads, but here's what you can do small ways and big ways to help the show. It's an ad free show. So you can one, share the show with a friend. Many of you do. And I love it. I can't tell you how many times I'll be talking to somebody and like, oh my gosh, my friend, my mother, my sister, my best friend shared the show, or we have coffee talks. Awesome. Share the show. And remember, you can talk about the show. I want you to be a raving fan of the show. That's my invitation for you. Be a raving fan where you just love it. And you're like, oh my gosh, I want people to know about this. It often takes people about seven times before they take action. So if you go, oh, I've got the show and I just love it and I want you to love it too. They may be like, huh, but they're so busy with life. It hasn't sunk in. And how do I know this? Because I am not an early adopter. I love all things Apple. And I don't think I bought an iPhone until iPhone three. And I'm just not an early adopter. Here's another fun fact about me is I've known about Hamilton for a long, long time. My friends that were early adopters and went to Hamilton, you know, in the very beginning, I went to see Hamilton in December of 2019, just last Christmas we went. I loved it. I'm not an early adopter. I love myself. I own my story. I love myself and I'm totally fine with that. So you may be sharing something with somebody and they may not be going, oh yes, I need to go do it. And what tends to happen is we make that mean of like, oh, they don't really value what I have to say or what I have to contribute. No, it's more about where they are in the adoption process of taking on something new. So I've always known that when I start to hear about a book, a show, a performance, you know, an activity to do, I may need to hear it many, many times. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, Corinne, pay attention. This is a book apparently you need to read because you keep hearing about this. Go read the book. It wasn't until season three of Outlander that I started watching Outlander. I think it was season three, maybe it was season four, but I started watching it. I'm like, fell in love. And it was so funny because I was like, I don't know, in episode two and I had watched it. And I'm like, oh, I don't know about this show. And 
they went back to like to the 1700s. I'm like, this is not a time period. I like, I just don't know. And we had all these fires that were happening in California. And so we wound up going out of town up into Tahoe area to get out of the smoke. And because at that point, everything was shut down and we were staying in this house and a friend of mine, I was telling her, and I'm like, yeah, I go, I just can't really get into this Outlander. And she's like, you can't what? She's a huge Outlander fan, had been watching it for years. So I'm like, okay, I'll go back and I'll watch it some more. But I just don't know about the show. Oh my gosh. That was, I guess, two Christmases ago. So it's 2018. That Christmas, I spent so much time watching Outlander. I watched all those seasons. I love that show, but it took me a long time to get there. So don't give up hope when you're sharing the show with people that you love. Just own it, love it. Give yourself permission to love the show as you do and share it with others. So that's a small way you can help. Another small way you can help is leave an iTunes review. Yes, you leave a review. The reviews help the show get recognized by others. So that's a great gift you can give. Okay. So share it with somebody, you know, keep sharing it with people that you know and love. Leave an iTunes review. Big ways you can support the show. When I offer workshops, sign up for them. That income helps pay for the cost of the show. My group and private clients help pay for the cost of the show. So if that's something you're interested, know that you're helping support this community that we have here. I've kept this show ad-free for you for 13 years. My plan right now is to continue with that. And I know that my coaching business, Corinne Modokitis Incorporated, is what supports it. And that's my gift for you. All right. Why your brain focuses on the worst that can happen. Hmm. So here's what people tell me. Well, Corinne, we don't want our child to burn out. Well, Corinne, I can't do this relationship anymore. It's not what I want. This is what he does. This is what she does. Well, Corinne, I'm going to get fired (laughs) or I could get fired. All of those results. Is that what you want? But how often do you focus on that? We are so damn good at dress rehearsing tragedy, myself included. And I'm really, really good. We focus on that. When I focus on, I don't want the ship to go down on my watch. I get into dread. I get into shame. We focus on that. And this week, it seems like I've been asked a lot by clients, you know, why does my brain keep focusing on the worst thing that can happen? I've got all this good in my life. Well, here's the thing, my friend. Your brain does that because your brain's job is to keep you alive. That is your brain's job. It's not made to make you feel good or any of that. It's here to keep you alive. That's your primal job of the brain. Except oftentimes we're not in any danger. The client that I told you about that was worried that she would get fired. There's no way she's going to get fired, right? But she's so afraid of having this difficult conversation that her brain immediately goes to this. And then she worries about having loss. And then she realized, well, we're having a hard time even finding a junior person to support the business, let alone her specialized skill set. But our brain goes there. The other reason that our brain focuses on the worst that can happen is because of a promise that we've believed in. So oftentimes I'll say to my clients, like, what is the promise of that belief? Like we have a belief about something. What's the promise? So If you're thinking about the worst case scenario, if you're dress rehearsing the worst case scenario, what's the promise? I'm going to give you a second. It typically is, oh, if I know it, I'm not going to be disappointed. I'm not going to be hurt as bad. I'm not going to be sideswiped and not see that it was coming, right? I'm not going to lose face. 
here's the thing, my friend, that's all BS. Because when that bad thing happens, you will feel disappointment. You will feel sadness. You will feel pain. You will feel loss. You will feel dread. You feel those things. So we don't feel better by dress rehearsing tragedy, or and we don't feel the less of an impact by dress rehearsing tragedy. With that promise, when something bad happens, you're going to experience the pain. And dressing rehearsing tragedy does not make the pain be less. The other thing is that when you dress rehearse tragedy, here's the thing that's really insightful. You're like living a good life, but you're forecasting a bad scenario. So you're already right now living the bad scenario. It kind of sucks to be in your brain at that moment. And so what's happening is your brain juice is getting reduced. Your energy is getting drained and you're not even in danger right now. And then when you do, when the bad thing does happen, you have less capacity for it. So it's really important that we fill ourselves up in the good times, realizing that there is going to be bad times because there is. And having the resilience to move through it is the key. Because if you don't, then you're exhausted from dress rehearsing tragedy. And when (laughs) that exhaustion does not help you get through it, and then that's where it happens, like with adrenal fatigue and typically going into our adrenals to survive, which I was a huge, that's what I did because I was so good at dress rehearsing tragedy. And then when the bad thing happened, I could spike myself and will myself through it and then come crashing down afterwards. So here's the thing. What can you do about it? You can train your brain. (laughs) Really, we can. It is possible. I've been able to train mine and many others. We can train our brain. And it doesn't mean that we sideswipe or we pretend or we're just like positivity and puff up and we're full of crap, but we can actually train our brain of where it focuses on. And of course, of course, of course, we want to keep that life-saving function for when we do face danger. But the way I've looked at my life is that I'm not dealing with lions or dinosaurs, right? And I have the ability to figure things out. And I need to be present when I do get into dangerous situations like driving a car or, you know, crossing a street where there can be the potential of an accident. So we must know when we are truly in danger and when we are dress rehearsing tragedy. For those of you that know me, you know, I'm rather practical and I'm a possibility seeker, right? Like the tagline of the show is the place where inspiration and possibility meet. And I also believe I have a big responsibility in my message. It's really, really important. So I've really been grounded in practicality. So I want this story to tell you, and it's about the monsters. And this is a number of years ago that I went through this experience and then I was able to come up with one of the key phrases that I believe in. It's an anchor thought that I live by. It's an anchor thought is a thought that you root yourself in and it becomes, you just remind yourself over and over. And so this anchor thought of mine is commit to the best case scenario and manage risk. And here's how this concept came about. We have this little monster program that's typically for four and five-year-olds and they're non-swimmers. They don't know how to swim. And I had this parent contact us saying that they'd heard from other friends about how great our program was and they wanted to come try it out, but their child was three and a half and would we be willing to take them? And at that point, when they're three and a half, sometimes I evaluate them to see, you know, 
Can they follow directions? Can they listen? Because the pool is rather deep. And so I have to manage the risk because if they don't have good listening skills and then just jump off the wall. So we had this trial arranged and it was going to be during practice. And I was coaching and I had one of my coaches there in the water to test out their daughter one-on-one. The class is normally a two-on-one, but this one to try out, we don't know. I'm managing the risk. So I'm coaching these, the group of seven-year-olds, five to seven-year-olds, and it's like chaos with my group. It's a windy day. It's a spring day and this pool can just howl in the springtime. And the parents all sit on the west side of the pool deck. There's kind of like these cement bleachers and stuff. And they tend to congregate over there. They don't ever go to the other side. And so I'm on the other side, I'm sending off all the kids. And then I look up to go walk across this bulkhead. It's a movable wall in the water. And I look and there's this dad standing there and I'm like hovering over this tryout. And I know exactly what my coach did was bringing the child away from the parent so that she could, you know, build this rapport with her. And he's hovering and I'm like, oh, and I let him know that parents go on the other side. And he says to me, he goes, but my daughter can drown. She can drown. And, you know, she doesn't know how to swim. And I said, exactly. That's why we're doing a tryout. That's why there's, it's one-on-one right now because drowning's not allowed here. And he looked at me and I go, but it's not. And I had to make a decision. Like I could either try to move him or I could have chaos on the other end. So I left and I went to the other side and I let him be there. And he eventually came over and he kept focusing on, well, she could drown. She could drown. It's three and a half year old daughter. He loves her so much. And he's a really smart man. He's getting his PhD, but he's freaking out right? And he doesn't know us and doesn't trust us, right? And he's giving us his most precious thing, his daughter. And I remind him, I go, drowning is not allowed here. That would not be good for business. And from this, this is where I came back to, we commit to the best case scenario and we manage risk. We know that could be a possibility. That's not allowed. So what are the things that I need to do to ensure that that doesn't happen? And if that means I need to do a tryout to evaluate and it's one-on-one, I would rather pay for that coach to come in and do that and lose money on that than to have the risk of something bad happening. And at the same time, why we're able to teach kids how to swim, why we're able to teach them how to be competitive athletes, why we're able to get them to the Olympic trials or so on and so forth, right? Whatever it is accomplishing their goals is we're focusing on where we're trying to take them. We don't focus on the things that we don't want to have happen. But I have parents that come up to me this happens at least once a week. We don't want to push our kid. We don't want burnout to happen. And I am at the point where it's like, let's stop focusing on burnout. Let's stop focusing on the bad things. That's the risk part. Of course, none of us want that to happen. Where's the direction we want to go? What is the direction you want to go in? So notice where your brain is focusing on. Are you focusing on your kid drowning, you drowning in your life, right? Or are you focusing on, okay, that's the area that I want to manage and make sure the risk is not going to be that devastating, right? Drowning is not a good thing. I want to manage that risk and I want to commit to the best case scenario and keep moving forward. That's where we want to focus on is to move forward. So yes, I'm practical. Yes, I understand that I have a big responsibility with the messages that I make. Yes, I believe in the possibilities. I've been expanding my believing with more dreaming but I'm able to do it because I'm able to commit to the best case scenario and manage risk. It's not just this positive, like, oh, I'm just going to fluff up. And the back of my brain is liar, liar, pants on fire. Because for some people, what I've noticed, and one of the reasons I didn't allow myself to dream for so long was I didn't want to be in those airy fairies that there wasn't practicality, 
right? So when you commit to the best case scenario and you manage risk, you can keep moving forward. You can dream and you're agile and you're aware and you can make the adjustments that need to be made. And it's that fine tuning. It is an awareness. We don't want, it's not positive thinking without a lack of awareness. So it's not just positivity of you just fill yourself up and feel motivated and you puff yourself up. No, commit to the best case scenario, manage risk, get your brain to focus on the directions you want to go in and know when you're going in that direction, there's going to be obstacles. There's going to be falling down moments. There's going to be speed bumps. There's going to be wanting to quit. That is all part of it, but we don't need to focus on the worst case scenario because it anchors us in a bad way. Like if we're going to anchor ourselves, let's anchor ourselves on where we're trying to go to versus anchoring ourselves in a place of where we don't want to be. And how often are you anchoring yourself in a place that you don't want to be because you're allowing your brain without even realizing you're allowing it, but you've allowed your brain to focus on the risk to focus on the worst case scenario. So understand what that is. Be aware of it. I remember my kids were young and they're like, I can't wait till I'm a teenager. I can't wait till I'm an adult because then I get to be the boss of me. (laughs) My kids are 18 and 19 and they're getting ready to do their tax prep form for my CPA. And they're like, this is horrible. Why do we have to do this? Being adult sucks. (laughs) That's what I mean about when you get an awareness of like, oh, here's what I thought it was going to be. Freedom. Nobody telling me what to do or telling me that I have to do my dishes to, oh, I have this responsibility. So there is freedom and then there's responsibility. I think it was Maya Angelou says, to whom much is given, much is expected, right? So when you believe in the good stuff, there's also gonna be the risk. Know what that is, focus on that. Be aware so that you can figure out like, okay, how do we problem solve this? How do we overcome this obstacle? Here's this obstacle, it doesn't mean that I'm a loser. It doesn't mean that I'm a bad person. It doesn't mean that this isn't possible for me right? Now, if I were to say, oh, here's kind of an irrational belief of, oh, Corinne, you're a 47-year-old woman and you're going to make the NBA. Like, come on, first of all, I'm a woman. So there aren't women in the NBA. Second is I haven't done the things that it takes to make the NBA. Like I haven't been practicing basketball to make the NBA. So that is an irrational committing to the best case scenario, right? There are processes and steps to creating the results that you want. One is you need to first focus on what it is that you want to create and commit to it. When you commit to it, then it means about following through on the process, the practices to help you get that result. If you've always been wanting to write a book and you don't start practicing writing, it's going to be challenging to get a book written because you're not practicing writing. So focusing your brain And committing to the best case scenario isn't just what you tell yourself. It's what you believe, right? There's that component. It's how you feel. And that commitment is very determined. And then it's the action you take. That's what's going to help you get to the result that you want, which is very different than, oh, I'm just going to dream or I'm going to tell myself positive things and make myself feel better. But you know, there's not a lot of substance. Commit to the best case scenario and manage risk. Notice where your brain is focusing on. My brain still focuses on the worst thing. Like I don't really like to fly and I was flying back on a flight 
recently from Texas and there was all this turbulence and my brain was like, oh my God, this plane's going to go down. I'm like, Corinne, focus on going forward. One of my friends is a pilot for United and he's like, Corinne, these planes, they can really handle a lot of stuff before they go down. So I just focus on that. I don't know enough about planes and about how it all works and I'm not really interested. I just want to get home. So I can sit here and worry when it's out of my control or I can focus on it's turbulent. I don't like turbulence. And I've been through turbulence and I'm focusing, I'm committing on, I'm going to get home because I don't want to be any more drained from the travel that I'm in because I'm dress rehearsing tragedy, right? There's no point in doing that right now. There's nothing I can do from it because I'm not piloting the plane. I'm sitting in the passenger seat. So commit to the best case scenario and manage risk. Know where you want to spend your energy. Redirect your brain, train your brain. I still redirect my brain every single day. My brain likes to look at tragedy. We're hardwired for it. I don't beat myself up. I own my story. I've owned many stories here with you today. And I love myself. And that takes a lot of courage when we love ourselves, when we show up with compassion. So you love yourself in that process. Own your story, love yourself, and then redirect your brain because that is what's going to help you train your brain to looking at a better outcome than focusing on tragedy. Now you get to test this out for yourself. Notice what you are doing. Are you focusing on the crappy stuff? Or are you focusing on the good stuff? I'm always fascinated with people that just see life more through a hopeful lens. Like I have this one friend and he's very hopeful. I'm like, wow, to be able to like live in his brain would be fantastic, right? Love yourself and then redirect your brain. Remember, your brain is meant to keep you alive. That's its job. It really has your back. It just doesn't need to be on heightened alert as much as it is. Have compassion with yourself when you notice you're focused on the worst that can happen. Love yourself. My friend, this is your relationship with you. It's the most important relationship. And then choose what you want to focus on. Just like I did in the plane, I could focus on the turbulence and imagining that the plane's going to go down. Or I could focus on this plane's going to get me home. I'm going to be with my family. I'm going to be able to sleep in my own bed tonight. This is going to be fantastic. So for me, I anchor myself in the thought of commit to the best case scenario and manage risk. And I say that to myself probably about 50 times a day. That, my friend, is a great way to anchor your brain and focusing forward instead of focusing backwards. And yes, like I've said, I know that there are many risks involved, so it's not just positivity and fluff, but we've got the basis covered and you focus on where you want to go. A great way for you to get started in this practice is in writing. And if you haven't downloaded my Mindset Practice Workbook, go do that. The link is in the show notes and it's on my website, howshereallydoesit.com. Go download that. Own the stories, right? Do the declutter, write it all down. All the worst things that you think are going to happen. Notice how you feel when you attach to those stories and then become a deliberate creator and what you choose to believe. So that mindset practice journal is what I use every day to daily ground myself and manage my mind and be get connected with my feelings. And that has allowed me to live much more empowered in my life. So grab the workbook and go and help your brain, train your brain to focus on what you want to create. I'm smelling big for you, my friend. Hey, 
If you enjoy listening to this podcast, you'll love my weekly emails. I know you're thinking, Corinne, really? Do I want another email in my overflowing inbox? Yes, you do. Yippee, skippy, you do. These are short, they're sweet. On Fridays, I send out the Friday podcast. It's a great reminder that there's a new show and it comes straight into your inbox of the latest episode. Awesome. You click on it, you go straight because we all need reminders. We have busy full lives. And then on Sundays, I have my Sunday love column. And these are emails I write from the heart. They're filled with love. We need more love. We all do, myself included. These are short emails where you get a quick takeaway so you can incorporate this into your life because people often want to know what to do and how to do it. And maybe sometimes it's a story that you get, or there's like one time I wrote about the 10 ways to practice gratitude. And that became such a great tool when one of the readers was struggling in the middle of the night, because it can be a scary place in our brains in the middle of the night. And she remembered the email that I sent about 10 ways to practice gratitude. And she was able to practice gratitude and fall back asleep. And that was an awesome lesson for her to incorporate into her life. Go to the show notes and there's a link in the show notes where you can sign up and get these emails in your box. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wide awake.